Well, we are continuing on with this, our vision series, and we're taking a look at Ezekiel chapter 37. And Ezekiel 37 has been a pivotal part of our church's history and the foundation of who we are and what we believe. Um, so we are going to start this morning. Before I go on, I'm not sure if you've heard, but we have this thing called life group starting. I get to give my plug. Because when you're in charge, you can do that. But actually, just to just to add a little something to what Pastor Tim was saying, life groups, we are taking signups all this week. Life groups will actually not start until the week of the 21st. So this week, actually, we, my wife, Deborah, right over here, say hi, Deborah, because she loves when I do that. Um, we are actually going to be meeting with all of our life groups, this life group leaders this week, and we're going to share a meal together, we're going to hang out together, but we're also going to pray, and we want to have a conversation of what, what is our goal, what is, our, what is the purpose of life groups, and for us in life groups, the purpose is to build community, and so if you've ever felt like you're on an island and you're by yourself, and you're like, I don't know what to do, now you know what to do. Sign up for a life group. We have five life groups that are going to be happening in homes all over the place. And if you have kids that are coming to Wednesday nights on for the outlet and kids, there's actually going to be even something available here for you. So if you don't want to drop off your kids, go away and then come back and get them. You can actually stay here and have a time together as well. So that's going to be available for you. So it's not something that we're broadcasting, but we're actually making, I guess I just did, but we're making it available so if you want to just hang out, you're available to stay. Sound good? So if you don't sign up, I can't, I can't help you with feeling isolated. But if you do sign up, you won't feel it. Yeah. Good? You get it, right? Perfect. I'm going to move on. So today, we are looking at Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 4 through 14. So follow along with me, if you will. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by his spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. I'm actually starting at one, so you have context. Sorry, I messed you up. There was a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. Then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I replied, Lord God, only you know. Starting at verse 4 now. He said to me, Prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you, and you will live. I will put tendons on you, make flesh grow on you, and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you so that you come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded. While I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. And as I looked, tendons appeared on them. Flesh grew and skin covered them. And there was no breath in them. He said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Say to it, this is what the Lord God says. Breath, come from the four winds and breathe into these slain so that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. The breath entered them and they came to life and stood on their feet a vast army. 
Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Look how they say, our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are cut off. Therefore, therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says. I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them, my people, and lead you into the land of Israel. And you will know that I am the Lord, my people, when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord, I have spoken, and I will do it. This is the declaration of the Lord. That is the appropriate response. That's a whoa moment. We could actually finish off right there and say, man, that's a good word. But we won't because there's lots of notes here. But we see that because if God says it is going to be, then if he has declared it, it is going to happen. Just as we are facing things in our own personal lives where we're like, ah, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know what God's going to do. I don't know how this is going to work out. And God has already said, I declare to you that I have got this under control. Nothing that has happened to you has taken God by surprise. So be encouraged this morning that he declares to you that he has got you in the palm of his hands. Amen? That's a good word. Amen. So Ezekiel is invited to play a role in this prophetic vision. As Ezekiel prophesies, God transforms a valley of dry bones. I th whenever I read this verse, I'm trying to think, man, this would be a really, really cool movie scene. Like I'm thinking, get the nerds from Star Wars on this and like, let's work this. Let's make this thing happen because this would be a sick scene. You know what I'm saying? Any nerds? Any? Okay, both of us. Cool. Awesome. Guess I'll move on. <laughs> like, no, stop it. But it would just be that moment where that, you know, that dramatic orchestral music hits and all of a sudden there's that low rumbling and the rattling and stuff starts happening and bones started coming together and snapping and everything and everything's growing and I'm like, the special effects are off the chart. <gasps> the nerd in me just gets excited. But how much more are we excited that, man, God is raising up an army? I don't, I don't want to scare you. Because, I mean, it might be a freaky scene, too. I mean, it's like a reverse zombie apocalypse. Where it's like everything was dead, and now they're coming to life. I'm like, oh, that's weird. But I like it. So God transforms this valley of dry bones into a valley of life. This text is foundational to how we built Life Church. This has been in our vision since day one. We believe that through it, God invites us to consider what he might want to bring to life in our own lives, but also how God might empower us to minister the life-giving power of God to others. So it's this whole idea of what can God do in me, but also what can God do through me? But it's kind of like this great commission thing, right? I receive Jesus. I receive what he has for me. But also my job is to not just keep it to myself. Don't let your light under a, light under a basket, right? Let your light so shine before men. That's our job. 
So last week we took an intentional look at this prophetic vision. And then we leaned about the function and purpose of prophetic ministry. So today we're going to continue building up to what Pastor Tim alluded to before our Vision Sunday, which is like, I'm so excited. The kickoff. This is like it. This sets the tone for what we're looking at for the year. And I, we sat in a room, all, all of our, our pastoral team sat together in a room in Ojai. Was it Ojai? Oxnard. It's a beach. Beachy. It's beautiful. And... Uh, and we, we were sitting there and we're praying and then all of a sudden it just, God just like, here it is. <gasps> and you're going to have to wait till next Sunday. Because it's not for me to say. Ha <laughs> ha. So our goal this week is to think about what God adds to the valley, but also what turned these dry bones into a vast army. What caused this to happen? So we're going to focus on three things specifically where we see God adds to the valley of dry bones. First thing we're going to look at, it begins with the will of God. God's will. Just a super easy topic, not much attached to it. Just super easy to follow every day. I'm lying. The idea is simple. The execution can be hard. Because the, the whole idea of salvation and following Jesus in our brain is super simple. But attached with that needs to be something that is super intentional. And that's on us. Jesus already died on the cross for us to set us free. What am I doing now? Right? So, it's helpful to understand Ezekiel's context when he received this vision. So, Ezekiel was a captive in Babylon. This seems to be a trend in Scripture, but the Jewish people had fallen into a rebellion against God. I'm like, when are y'all going to get this right? Like, just, yeah, just like us. <laughs> it's like, I know. Because we sometimes, I get, sometimes I look at Scripture and I'm like, I look at, I get skeptical. I'm like, what was their problem? He rescued them. He saved them. He provided food. He provided water. He, got, he gave them everything they needed, and still they doubted him and rebelled against him. And I'm like, oh, so kind of like 2023. Seems like it never changes, right? <laughs> it's like it's still a thing. So I can't get mad at them because I do the same thing on the daily. So the Jewish people had fallen into rebellion, and as a punishment, they were conquered and taken away to Babylon. So the image of the valley of dry bones represents God's people. But a people who are spiritually dead, who are dead in rebellion and sin. So in other words, they kind of died because of their abandonment of the will of God. They gave up on it. So to bring them back to life required reengaging with God's will. Has anybody ever been on a journey like that? You don't have to put your hand up. I'll just put it up for all of us because it's true. I'm sure we've all at some point have been on a journey where we're like, oh, I think this is the best way. And God's like, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Um, all right. Because God's a gentleman, and he doesn't like, this was it. Not over there. It looks good, but no. We're silly that way, right? There's a reason why we're called sheep. 
It's right like, it's beautiful. There's so many flowers over here. Don't worry. If he'll leave the 99 to come get you. Every time. Just <laughs> thank goodness for that. Right, Big John? Mm-hmm. So scripture is very clear that God's will is always full of life. There is nothing negative about God's will. When God gives you his will, it's not like, all right, it's going to stink. Let's be real. You're probably going to hate it. But you got to do it. No. God's will is completely and 100% life-giving. Because his plans are so much better than ours and his ways and thoughts are so much higher than ours. Who am I? Over 21 years ago, I was living in Canada. It's a <laughs> well, right now I'm saying sorry because it's like minus 50 at my parents' house right now. So I'm loving California. <laughs> but I left there not knowing because I, I had a nice job. I had my own place. I had all this stuff happening. And then God had other ideas. Could I have stayed in my own? Sure. Would it be fulfilling? No. I wouldn't be where I am had I not taken the steps that God had orchestrated for me. So sometimes what seems to be an impossibility or something that seems to be so difficult leads you down a path that is life-giving, rewarding, and you're where you're right supposed to be. But it's not an always an easy journey. Ask anybody, well, you can ask them when you get to heaven. Ask anybody in Scripture... Or ask anybody who's known Jesus for more than a half hour. It's a process. It's a journey. But that's why it's so important that when we have something like life groups that we talk about, it's to be part of a community. So you know you're not by yourself. You are actually journeying along, and you come alongside other people and say, I didn't know you go through the same things that I go through. I have a bestie now. BFFs forever. That's the point. It's to build up the body of Christ. And our goal and our prayer is that every life group is busting at the seams, and then next time we do life group session again, all the people that were part of that are now leading their own life group. <gasps> I want to work myself out of a job. And then I'll go do something else. But God's will is perfect, and it's life-giving, and it's never depressing. It's hard. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But it's always worth it. God once had Moses speak to the people of Israel to renew their covenant with him. In Deuteronomy 30:19, it says, I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. God wants his kids to live. God wants his people to live. But the catch is we have to be his people. Oh, man, there's always a catch. Oh, wait, there's more. I have to be, we have to be his people submitted to his will. Oh, there's two things. It's too much. 
I'm worried about my football teams right now. I can't do that. I can't be, I'll be submitted to God after the Super Bowl. It's totally fine. <laughs> just kidding. It's just good for the commercials. Actually, they've been terrible lately, so it's not even good for that. It's the half to, no? Never mind. <laughs> do something else. See, life comes by obedience to God's will, not by exerting our own. Embrace God's will, not forcing ourselves. Anybody try to force your will sometimes, and the result has been just fantastic? It may be for a while. It may be somewhat re rewarding to our flesh, but our flesh gets weak. And I don't know. I went through a period of my life where it was just like being fake is so exhausting. Anybody ever get caught up in lies? Don't put your hand up. Where you just kind of spiral, spiral, spiral. You're like, I can't keep these things straight anymore. I just need to repent and come clean and start over. I think we've all been there. So the thing is, when we come to God's will, it is always about his will, not ours. In fact, Ezekiel had another vision that communicated this in another way. In Ezekiel chapter 47, Ezekiel sees a river of life flowing from the temple of God. Beautiful picture. Flowing from the temple of God. And on, on either side of the river, there are trees that are producing fruit all year long. All year. That's, that's a good harvest right there. But away from the banks of the river, the swamps and the marshes will not be healed, for they will be left for salt. Less enticing. Doesn't sound as wonderful, does it? Living far from God, there is nothing that is actually life-giving. If we live far from him, there's nothing... Sure, we exist. We live and breathe. But is the only legacy that I leave for those around me the oxygen that I breathe? Is that all I leave? Is that oh, inhale, exhale? There's got to be more, right? But life submitted to God's will, there is abundant and ongoing life. God's will is not just a here and now, here it is, done. There is a process. There are steps. There are phases. We like to use the word seasons. Where we, we go through things and it's like, oh, I'm counting out of this, but I feel God is preparing me for this next thing. And that's healthy. Like I said, I, do I want to lead life groups forever? I will. Sure. Let's do it. But when you raise up others and stir up the gifts that are within them, and they realize what God's will is in their life. Oh, it's so rewarding when you can actually stop doing it and see somebody else do it. And then you go do something else. That's life-giving. Not only for the person who's discipling, but for the disciple. So we want to make disciple-making disciple-makers. On the way home, say that five times real fast in the car. See what happens. It's beautiful. Author and pastor A.W. Tozer once wrote, he said, Outside the will of God, there is nothing I want. 
inside the will of God, there's nothing I fear. That's powerful. Outside it, there's nothing that's get, there's nothing good for me. But inside of it, I've got nothing to fear. There is everything in abundance and excess that he wants to provide for us. That's so good. This should be our worldview as well. To be unimpressed with anything outside of God's will and to enjoy peace inside of God's will. We see a world that is continually, they're unimpressed with who God is, but they also don't care. Why? Because they haven't met him. I teach eighth grade Bible at Desert Christian Middle School. I had a student ask me because the student was inquisitive. And it was an honest question. And they looked at me and they said, Mr. Rondeau, I have a question. I said, yes, what's your question? He said, is heaven just going to be really all about worship? Like, are we just going to sit there and sing to Jesus all the time? Is that all we're going to do? Because that kind of seems lame. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> I, and then I said, to the, and the, you asked me a, a question in class, you will get a response in class. So I said, you, along with others, as you sit in our chapel services, sit there like bumps on the log with a hood on your head, not engaging whatsoever. So if you don't engage with Jesus here on earth, why is engaging with Jesus in heaven that much more appealing to you? If we don't engage here, why is that something I would look forward to? So tell you what, next time we do worship in chapel, stand up, don't talk to your friends, and sing the words on the screen and let your heart be open to what God wants to say to you, and then talk to me. And so they're like, okay. So I'm like, perfect. <laughs> so next time in chapel, I'm just going to sit right beside them. What you doing? Doesn't have to be boring. There's nothing that we want more. His plans for us always lead to life. Truth and eternal life can only be enjoyed as the will of God is introduced and obeyed. Oh, there's that word again, obey. <laughs> First John 2.17 says, The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. God's will is life always. Always. There is no other. God is the source of all natural life. John chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says, All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. But he's also the giver of spiritual life as well. John 10.10 10 says, A thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and I have come so that may have life and have it in abundance. Here's the thing. When I launched, when we first planted Life Church, 
It seems like eons ago. I was in charge of starting the youth ministry, and God gave me a word for the youth, and we were called, and they were called kinetic youth, because they were kinetic. Kinetic is the branch of energy to where it requires movement, right? There's something always happening, as opposed to potential, where you're just waiting. Waiting, we, we've been waiting long enough. It's time to move. So when I look at the verse, I said, a thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. We are easy targets if we are not moving. If we're standing still or being ineffective for the kingdom, we are prey and easy targets. If we are moving and doing God's will and we are engaging in that, man, we are hard for the enemy to hit because we're not, we don't got time for that. That's not even a thing because we're so focused on what he has for us. And then when we are engaging in that way, we are seeing that he came to give us life and life to the fullest. Right? It's not about, I'm just holding on until Jesus comes. I had that lady in my church in Canada. She was precious. Wonderful lady, super sweet. But she felt, oh, I'm just holding on. Like, and I got, I'd been saved for like, three weeks, a month. I'm like, is this it? Oh, so I made it. Sweet. <laughs> so I'm just breathing differently. This is awesome. There's got to be more. And there is. That's the beautiful part. It was God's intention that the dry bones would live. Life comes as the will of God is introduced to us, but it is also obeyed. Life comes through obedience. So what do we do when we see dry bones in ourselves or in others? We pray and ask God to give us wisdom. So we know what obedience to God's will would look like. What is God's will for my life? But sometimes God will drop little bits of info in your heart to say to that person that will stir up life in them. And guess what? Sometimes it just starts with, hello. Like today, like Pastor Tim let us in. Sometimes just like, I don't know you. Normally it's like, I don't know you. I don't know if you showered. I. Okay. What would he do? Thank you, Kevin. God's got so much more. Then we must obey God. Sometimes this looks like learning something we didn't know. Newsflash. This is going to come as a shock, and, and, and I don't want you to be disappointed. I don't know everything. Ask Deb. I know everything when she says I can. <laughs> Still waiting. No, but we, we haven't arrived because guess what? We're still here. And if we're still here, we still got a job to do. If we're not dead, we're not done. Right? We still got something to do. Sometimes it looks like repenting about sin in our life. 
Sometimes to move forward, we have to cut some things off. We have to let some things go. We got to cut the chains so we can walk away or run. I prefer running. But of course, what if somebody asks, what if I don't actually know what God's will is? What a great conversation to have. Because if somebody doesn't know, oh, you get to introduce them to the person who does. And then this thing called discipleship starts happening and life happens. And oh my gosh, people flourish and come to life. Did I mention life groups? Just checking. Subtle. So the next thing we want to introduce that was introduced in the Valley of Dry Bones was the Word of God. Life came as Ezekiel spoke the words that God gave him. The Bible is God's Word, and it is powerful. This is it. This is all we need. Best self-help book ever. Because all the people that have self-help books on Amazon and in Barnes and & Noble and wherever fine books are sold, it's all here. They stole it. Just start here. I'm sure Dr. Phil's got some cool stuff to say. Let's start with Jesus, okay? Let's do that. The author of Hebrews puts it like this. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Going back to nerd. Here we go. I see this, and I just see... It just feels like it's this meticulous surgery that happens when we spend time in God's Word. It's cutting out the things that don't need to be there and giving us the things that need to be there. It's like the spiritual lightsaber going in and there's the nerd. You're welcome. Cutting out the things that we don't need and shouldn't be engaging with and should not be a part of, shouldn't be looking at shouldn't be seeing, shouldn't be listening to. Insert thing here. That's what it does. King Solomon was the wisest person to ever live. Oh, sweet, I'm off the hook. But he knew the, <laughs> not even close. But he knew the power of God's words. Proverbs 4, 20, says, My son, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my sayings. Don't lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. God's word is not just a nice story and gives us some recommendations about how to get ahead in life. It's not just a cool story. It's not amazing literary work. If you just look at it as that, yes, it is. But man, there is so much more that's attached to that. They are the very words of God, and we can use them to enjoy eternal life, beginning now and going on forever. That word eternal gets me. Anybody else get that word? I don't, because everything that I know has an end. I know if I'm watching a movie, 
<gasps> credits. Done. Eternity. When's the credits? Mm-mm. Not done. So the army was not dead and dry because they did not know God's word. They died because they failed to obey God's word. See, we can know God's word. I went to college with guys. They actually made themselves little membership cards called the hallway debaters. And we had a chapel service every day. And their job, nobody gave them this job. They just took it was to sit there and completely dissect and destroy every speaker that came in chapel and see if they could nail what they said wrong and blah, blah, blah. And because I was Canadian in American college, I was effectively known as Canada. So I'd walk in the hall and say, hey, Canada. I'm like, oh, no. You know those people that say hi to you and you're like, I can't even run. They were them. And so I tell him, hey, what's up? He says, we have a question, man. We can't figure this out. We need you to help. <laughs> no. I'm going to have lunch. He said, we want to know. This is serious. I'm like, okay, what's the question? Did Adam have a belly button? <laughs> I don't care. What would he do? I said, do you know Jesus? Uh-huh, do you, huh? Who cares? Ask him when you get there. Ask him in or outie, what's happening? And move on with your eternal life. But so many times we get caught up on the things that don't matter. But, oh, but what if? I know. What is? What is God saying? But what if God didn't say that? He did. Stop trying to justify the way you're living your life through your own eyes and start living it through God's. So much easier and peaceful. Uh, these guys would get full-on arguing in the hallway where you're like, time to go. Let's go get more biscuits and gravy. Because it was way better than listening to that junk. John teaches us that obeying God's word is a clear sign of whether we belong to God or not. John 5, 2 to 4, first John, John, first, well, first John 5, 2 to 4 says, this is how we know that we love God's children, when we love God and obey his commands. For this is what love for God is, to keep his commands. And his commands are not a burden, because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. <gasps> that sounds fun. I like a good conquering. Right? That's awesome. The expectation is that we obey God's word. But the obedience, the benefit to that obedience is eternal life. So there's a benefit to the work. We just got to put it in the work. Psalms 119, 25 to 32 says this. I lie in the dust. Revive me by your word. I told you my plans and you answered. Now teach me your decrees. Help me understand the meaning of your commandments, and I will meditate on your wonderful deeds. I weep with sorrow. Encourage me by your word. Keep me from lying to myself, and give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. I have chosen to be faithful. I have determined to live by your regulations. I cling to your laws. 
Lord, don't let me be put to shame. I will pursue your commands for you expand my understanding. So my brain's involved. That's awesome. He expands our understanding. Why? Because in every season, I want to be able to give a defense of what the hope that I have. So sometimes God will speak and he will put things in our heart, but it's okay to use the old melon sometimes because God gives us wisdom. Something that is so significant that God did not speak the words for Ezekiel. Ezekiel spoke the words for himself. See, when, when he's told him, let's speak to the dry bones, God did not do it for him. He said, Ezekiel, Ezekiel, speak. I'm not sure if you heard this, but there's a verse that says, life and death is in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. So what I'm speaking out of my life is either making Jesus look really good or making him look really bad. I want to make him look amazing. Amen? And the things that we say, the things that we do, God will always provide the script. Sometimes he just needs your voice. He will always give you the words to say. Even Moses, a mighty man of faith, he's like, listen, uh, God, if you could send anybody else to set your children free from it, I have a speech impediment. I'm not good at this. I, <laughs> please. And God said, okay, you're right. I didn't see that. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. He said, no, you are my chosen. Go. And through Moses, he did wonders because he was obedient. Obedience is powerful. The very same power that inspired the writing of the word of God is the same power that we walk in today. The very same power that raised Jesus from the dead is accessible for us today. I'm not sure if that overwhelms anybody. It should, because that's pretty amazing. The same power is available to us. Because we don't go in, bless you in Chris's name. Chris is super cool, super talented. Doesn't have a lot of power to, to forgive sins or whatever. But Chris doing things in Jesus' name, unstoppable. Right? Just as back in verse 11, they saw that their, bone, their bones were dried up. They were shriveled up. We have no hope. We're messed up. Which was an indication of their hope. And the need of a miracle that they needed to have. Because there was a, they needed to realize something. So all the promises that are found in God's word are real, available, and unwavering. His promises don't change. God's word, grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. It's not just a catchy catchphrase. It's true. This has stood the test of the time, and mankind has done its best to disprove it and shut it down. 
and many people that were atheists, agnostics, and people that wanted to shut this thing down and shut it and say, ha-ha, you can't do it, are now believers. Because they couldn't disprove it. I love it. The third thing that came to being in this vision was the wind of God. So we had the will, the word, now we have the wind. After Ezekiel prophesied to the bones, they were knit back together, but they remained dead bodies. So here we are, standing a vast army of skeletons. I mean, if that's what the enemy saw coming over the hill, freak out, we give up. Right? So Ezekiel told, is told to prophesy again. He said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man. Say to it, this is what the Lord God says, breath, come from the four winds and breathe into these slain so that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath entered them, and they came to life and stood on their feet a vast army. Obviously here, Ezekiel is not being told to speak to the air. Just randomly speaking. Some ethereal thing. No. The Hebrew word translated here as breath can be translated into breath, wind, or spirit. So there's something there. So Ezekiel is told to speak to the spirit that brings life. To come and breathe life into the slain people and so that they may live. In John 6.63 Jesus said once to his disciple, the spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> this thing's terrible. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. Life came into Adam, the first man's body, by the breath of God. So from the very beginning, we received life from the Holy Spirit. But remember, this is not simply a vision about restoring physical life. It's not just about these bodies being raised up. Ezekiel was shown a prophetic vision about spiritual life. Not just physical, but it was something spiritual. And it's only the Holy Spirit that breathes life into our spiritual lives. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is fully God, just like Father and Son are God. And he, not it, has emotions, desires, and a distinct will. When the Holy Spirit breathes into our lives, we call that the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not until the Holy Spirit filled these death, dead bodies that they came to life again and then gained a sense of identity. See, sometimes we kind of stay in our death. We stay in our thing. We stay in our situation. We stay in insert issue here. And we kind of wallow there. And we stay and we're like, I guess this is it. Breakthrough is just right here. But we stay here. And we stay safe and warm and cozy. It's really nothing safe about Jesus. Only that he gives us comfort and safety. But living for him is, man, it's like an oxymoron, isn't it? We don't find out who they are 
that they are an army until after they receive the Holy Spirit. Because when you walk in, it's just like, look at this mess. Something nasty happened here. And we don't know they're an army until the breath of the Holy Spirit has been breathed back into them. They're saying, oh, this is an army. This is a force to be reckoned with. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives gifts to the church. We call those spiritual gifts, like prophecy, miracles, speaking in tongues. But it also gives us identity as members of God's army. Consider the five-fold ministry, the apest gifts. These are essentially personality markers for us as ministers. You all have spiritual gifts. God has gifted you each with something very unique and very special for you. So imagine if we were all given the same gift. I mean, I'm sure if it's from God, it will be cool. But God is so much more cool than that. Because he gives us all each individual gifts. And the purpose of our gifts is not necessarily for ourselves. It's for everybody else around us. The purpose of our gift is to raise up people that are around us. That's powerful. When the Holy Spirit breathes on your life, you will begin to know more about the gifts and purpose that God has given you. You'll be empowered by God himself for his work. And you will be charged to minister the gospel in power with signs and wonders. <gasps> that sounds amazing. And I'm, I'm talking about this actually in my Bible class right now. We are talking about miracles and signs and wonders. And I asked the kids in my room, I says, okay, why do you think we don't see, I says, do we see a lot of miracles? Anybody ever seen a miracle in here? Anybody seen a miracle? And I had like one or two people. Some of you in here have. Beautiful. You've experienced one, seen it firsthand. That's awesome. I asked my students, I said, have anybody seen it? And one person put up their hand, and I said, cool. Would you care to share? And she said, no. Okay. I'll sit next to you in chapel. Next, No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but God had done something amazing. And here's the thing we have to realize about when God wants to do something miraculous in our lives. For us as Christians, us as believers, that should be normal. Right? Or am I wrong? When we see the, the miraculous happen, anybody ever seen a dead person come to life? I have not yet. And I'm like, I don't know what I would do. I'm like, that's fantastic. And I'm equally freaked out. I'm praising God, but ah! You know, all the feelings happening. But man, this was a miraculous moment. And God wants to do that in us and through us every time as well. So if we, when we encounter dry bones in our own life, receive the Holy Spirit to breathe fresh life into your spiritual life. And what you have to do is you have to go online, you'll fill out a test to, no. When you want the Holy Spirit, one simple word, ask. It's that simple? Uh-huh. Just like when you accept Jesus into your heart as your Savior. 
into your life to be your Lord. It's simply, I'm asking for the Holy Spirit to come into my life. Boom. Maybe there will be bells. Maybe there will be trumpets. I don't know. For me, it was just a subtle thing where it's just one time I was at a youth retreat up in Canada. I had been saved. This was like the three-week, the month thing where I'm like, I don't know what it is, but this is amazing. Went to a youth rally with a bunch of other youth, and the Holy Spirit busted out, and we all started speaking in tongues. Coolest thing ever. But as a new believer, what is going on? But I knew it was special. See, God doesn't do things to kind of like, ha-ha, this is for you. Just figure it out. That's why it's important for community. But he also gives us those things. And we know. We know where it's from. So when you encounter dry bones in other people, ask the Holy Spirit to move in power in their life. So this is coming back to that, what does God want to do in my life, but also what does God want to do through me? So this morning, as we begin to wrap up, Ezekiel 37 is a prophetic picture about an army who has died, but were restored. The whole story shows us an equation for revival. I'm not a math fan, but here we go. Obedience to God's will and word plus the Holy Spirit equals life. Any other math fans out there? No? Okay. Obedience to God's will and word plus life equals, plus Holy Spirit equals life. This restoration story has a specific progress to it. First, God's will is introduced so the disobedient can submit to God's will. Then the word of God is given to Ezekiel and he speaks the word over the bones. And then the Holy Spirit is invited to give the breath of life, and they live. So there's a process to it. Ezekiel 37 serves as both a promise and an invitation to us to minister to others, but also for us to get our spiritual lives in check as well. So as we wrap up today, I'm going to ask you three questions. I want you to reflect on these things over the next few moments. Are there dry or dead places in your spiritual life? Or are there people that you know who are spiritually dead? The second thing, are you living in obedience to God's word? Do you know people who need to be challenged or invited or simply taught to obey God's word? Or maybe you just need that yourself. I'm not sure if we mentioned it before, but there's life groups. And number three, have you received the Holy Spirit? Do you know people who know the name of Jesus but have not yet experienced the power of the Holy Spirit? After we've completed our time together here today, uh, Pastor Greg and Tammy right here, can you guys wave at me? Wave at Pastor Greg, there they are. Awesome people. They're going to be available at, which one are you going back here? That prayer wall right there with the light. And they would love the opportunity to pray with you. 
talk with you. Or if you have questions, Matt, what is the, what's the Holy Spirit all about? What is this baptism of the Holy Spirit all about? What does that mean? They would love, love to have that conversation and pray with you and invite that into your life. So if you're questioning, if you're wondering about that, please don't leave without having a conversation. If they're busy, come see me. Just yell. Somebody will come. We'll come talk. Can I pray for you all this morning? I'll pray a blessing over you this morning. God, we're thankful for your word. We thank you that you are the author of all life. And everything that you have for us is for our good and is to give us life. Help us, Father, to engage in your will this morning. Whatever that looks like for each individual in this room and those watching online, help us to, and if we're not sure, give us the courage and the strength to ask you, what is it that you have for me, God? That we would engage in your word, that we would no longer have questions about your character and your goodness, but we would experience firsthand because we are getting your words into our heart. And finally, we ask that your Holy Spirit would breathe into us this week, that you would breathe into us today, that you would cause a resurgence of your presence to come into our lives today, that we would experience you in a way like no other. And Father, we open ourselves up and we say we will obey you, God, for all the amazing things that you have for us. Because we know that you will never leave us nor forsake us, but you are with us every step of the way of the journey. So guide our steps, Father. And I pray that I, I pray a blessing over my friends in this room this morning. That you would bless them and you would keep them, protect them. That your will word, and wind will become ever more present and evident in their lives. That there would be an engagement with you that they have never experienced and felt nor seen. And I pray, and as you were doing these things in them, God, you would use them mightily and speak and work through them. We thank you so much, Jesus, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.